Welcome to Made in Africa. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Made in Africa podcast. It's been a very exciting start to the Premier League season and this weekend sees a return of domestic football after the international break. We will be joined later by Nick Ames from The Guardian to discuss this weekend's North London derby and whether Arsenal can maintain their excellent start. We'll also be talking about whether former gunner Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang can be the answer to all of Chelsea's problems. But first, it's time to welcome my esteemed co-host, Raman Osman. Hi, mate. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? Where have you been, Ed? Where have you been, Raman? I don't know. Yeah, this is it's been too long since the last episode. Uh, we've both been very busy. But yeah, apologies to the listeners for that. We're going to try and do it more regularly from now on, aren't we? Yeah, well, of course we're going to try it, yeah. Yeah, it's just been such a such a hectic start to the season, everything being packed in. Obviously, the first few rounds of Premier League matches and then uh, a very busy international break. We've got to yeah. start with with Ghana, really. They How did they play against Brazil? They lost 3-0 to Brazil uh, and then they beat Nicaragua. But what, what were you thinking against Brazil? Obviously, it's no disgrace to lose to them. Yeah, not... Not the best of performance from Ghana, I should say. Um, the results was quite flattering, if you ask me, because in the first half, Ghana were all over the play. Brazil, Brazil seemed like they didn't even need to move to the second gear to get it going. And by by the time the first forty five minutes will be on, the game was done and dusted. But credit to Ghana, they came back in the second half. They changed to a back three. Then they started getting more of the ball. They started posting their own questions and 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 push Brazil a bit a bit back. You can look at it in different ways you can say the Brazil had already scored three so it was quite easy for them to take their leg off the pedal or Ghana mm-hmm. had become a bit stronger but I mean the class of Brazil Richarlison Neymar I mean Paqueta and all that it told in the end but yeah like you rightfully said no disgrace to lose to Brazil at the World Cup a lot of teams will find them difficult yeah yeah, I think they've got to be the well. They're certainly the bookmakers' favourites at the moment, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a strange old tournament. And yeah. I just wanted to mention uh, Tariq Lamptey, who bright at the Brighton right back, who came on as uh, as a sub to make his debut against Brazil, and and, and Yaki Williams as well, who who made his first two appearances uh, from Athletic Bilbao. Do you think those two are going to add quite a bit to the squad? Oh yeah, massive. I mean, Tariq is highly rated. I mean, when he first moved to Brighton, he was talked. In as one of the players that could break into the England squad. Mm. And then he picked up a really bad injury just when he started flying and his comeback. And when he came back, the whole team has started to perform incredibly well under Graham Potter. And even though he was constantly in and out of the team, playing as a wing back, playing as a right back, and all that. And you could see he's he's got qualities and mm. that mostly the Ghana team don't have. He's quite quick, he's quite determined, he's quite aggressive. Which is which is some of the things you you want from a top tier professional. He's got it all, and he does something that really really excites me. He's he's more like a physical representation of what Ghana are trying to do at the World Cup. Quite mm. tiny in stature, but big in character and big in personality. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be great. I, I really really hope he does well. I think I'm sure he's uh, you know going to add quite a bit to, to to the side because they you know they oh. they need something. I think. Just, just, just on Inaki. I mean, oh yeah, sorry, go on, yeah, go on. Bilbao, and he's highly rated in Spain. And for those who were the Spanish league, he's he's got an incredible record of consistency. He's played over two hundred and twenty-five games without an injury. No player in the history of football has done that. 
two mm. more than 200 games without an injury. No flu, no knock, no injury. He just keeps playing game after game after game. And he's very strong running through the channels. And, and yeah. his addition is quite quality. And mm-hmm. it's 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 really spoken about highly in Spain. Maybe not in England, because he's never played anywhere apart yeah. from Bilbao. But in Spain, he's a big deal. He's incredible. And um, he's, he's something that, that could add quality and at the same time add a surprise element to teams that will play against the, the the corner. And that group is quite really interesting. They've got South Korea, they've got Portugal in there, and they've got mighty Uruguay who will come with Dao Nunes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, just to mention, Nico Williams, his younger brother, has been called up for, for Spain for the first time this this international break. So it's clearly very, very talented family. Right. It's quite interesting. Like last when Ghana went to the World Cup, they have they had Kel, Kevin Bra- Prince Boateng. You remember him? Former yeah, and, and Jerome Boateng. Yeah, of course. Jerome Boateng at that yeah. time was playing for Bayern Munich. So yeah. it's quite interesting that we could have that, and then we would have also, I mean, Nico Williams playing for Spain and Inaki Williams playing for Ghana. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, just going on to a couple of the other countries then who are going to be at the World Cup. Um, Senegal, not the best warm ups, I'd I'd say. Um, they beat Bolivia, but they had a draw with Iran, and they showed a little, a few, a little bit, a bit of their fallibility, I think, in attack. They're not really creating that much, but you know, we 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 know that Senegal are a tournament team these days, so they perhaps are saving the best till the World Cup. What do you think? Yeah, maybe, but again, I I just have to say, Iran are no walkovers. Like they're no slouch. Iran is really yeah. good. I mean, a lot of the time, people think that oh, it's Iran because they're not massive in, in in world football and all that. But Iran are really a good side. You're right. I, I think England may struggle against them a little bit. Exactly. Gonna, yeah, it will be interesting yeah. to see how they. Come Carlos Quiroz as the manager. Carlos Quiroz is there. <laughs> That's the point. And so, yeah. Yeah, Senegal. I mean, they've got their own problems. Especially you, you hit the nail right on the head that. The, their creativity is low because they play Cheku Kuyati and Nampeles Mendy in midfield. These, with all due respect to them, they are not the most creative of forces. But what that does is that they are really hard to break down. You can tell, and that's why they call it, and that's how they qualify for the World Cup and won the African Cup of Nations. But yeah, the game against Bolivia, Sadio Mane scored, and you'd get to think that their, their whole tournament will be relied on how good Sadio plays. And at the moment, Sadio is not really, really flying at the, uh, at the moment at Bayern Munich. Yeah. Like he was at Liverpool, but they will put a lot of weight on him. And if he gets going, Senegal will do well at the World Cup. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And Morocco, another team that I fancy to do quite well at the World Cup. Um, now they've got rid of Vahid Hali Hodzic, who is the second time he's been sacked after qualifying for the World Cup. I think the first was with, was with Ivory Coast, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and Hakim Ziyech is back in the team. They beat Chile uh, in front of 25,000 fans in Spain. Uh, in at Espanol's ground, and then they drew with Paraguay, um, and it looks like yeah, the, the new manager is called Wadid Wagru. Yeah, Wadid Wagru. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah they're looking, they're looking. Yeah, look, I think they're going to be a dangerous side. Well, they do look good. It's good to have Hakim Ziyech back. I just didn't uh, uh, agree that they had to fire the manager to get Hakim back, but that's modern day football. The power is more to the players than the manager, and Hakim had made it clear that as long as. The manager was still in charge. He would never play for Morocco again. Good win against Chile, if I should say, because Chile is such a really strong South American side. Maybe not now these days, but yeah, it's yeah. really still a really good, good, good news for them. But yeah. like I said, I'd always prefer teams that play on the front foot. What I saw from Morocco was that they they tend to pick their moments when they attack and they rely a lot on the quality of Hakim. 
And normally, if you want to really build a team that win championship, you'll have to have variations. Early days yet under the new manager, but we'll see how well he's able to get them firing. Mm. And then at the other other end of the scale, Cameroon, who were looking pretty good, you know, the last few months, but they had really, really poor break, which was uh, well, two, really four friends. Sorry, let me start that again. They had a really poor results against Uzbekistan and South Korea. Um, and yeah, even even though Brian Waymo made his debut against Uzbekistan, uh, the Brentford forward played for France as, as uh, youth teams. And also there's a return for Nicolas Nkulu, um, which shows a little bit that they haven't got much at the back. They've been a little bit weak in defence. Um, what do you think? Cameroon probably be better at the tournament again, won't they, than they, they are in friendlies? May when when I went when I went for the African Cup of Nations in Cameroon, one of the the, the standard performance in that Cameroonian team was Carl Toko Ekambi of Leon. Mm. Now Carl's form again has dived since the Afcon, and it's also reflecting in how Cameroon are playing this. But I mean, they lost to South Korea. South Korea have got Son Heung Ming. When Song is playing, if you saw his goal, you'd realize that when he's on net, it's kind of really difficult. And yes, they've also qualified for the World Cup. So it was a really interesting game. But Cameroon, maybe they will have to reload in 1990 what they did with Roger Miller. Yeah, not just the same indomitable Lions they used to be. And they've got a lot of players playing in France and all that. But question is, how do they perform as a team? This is the biggest problem Cameroon have got in now and Rogobet Song has been made the captain uh, the coach by yeah. Samuel Eto in that if you if you go to Yaounde or in in anywhere in Cameroon they are, they are thinking that that's an appointment based on loyalty of a teammate rather than competence time will tell he did qualify them to the World Cup that gives him credits in the bank but it will be interesting to see how he comes up against some of the best managers in the world and if he can in-game manage intentions and get the right players right grade make the right substitutions and get the team firing so i mean aside brazil who had a really good international break not many countries will look back even england struggled in the nation's yeah. league there's expectations that they'll do well at the world cup and and all that so you can take respite in the fact that it hasn't been a really i mean brilliant international break yeah, for a lot of countries they were they were struggling Especially in Europe, yeah, the European, the, the, the you know, the so-called big European nations really struggle. Yeah. Portugal it's, lost to Spain, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, but but you mentioned Brazil as well, um, and they played Tunisia in their other match and and yeah. um, beat them 5-1. I think it was 4-0 at half-time, which is a bit of a setback for, for Tunisia because they've, they've done really well defensively yeah. uh, of late. They've been very solid, but again, it's Brazil, so yeah, it's well, hard to be hard with them. And I think that they... They've got a difficult group because they've got France and Denmark in their group. But yeah, and but you never start, know. Yeah, they did start really well actually because when Brazil scored, they scored back, and then you just felt that Brazil just moved another gear. They started passing it around. They started pressing the right channels, and Neymar, it's Neymar, isn't he? Yeah, he's still pretty good. And and so out of all those, it's I think I mean obviously Senegal were the the highest ranked, um, and and a lot of people talking about them having a good chance. Do you think? Anybody else that could could go deep into the tournament, maybe part, you know, Ghana. Ghana. Ghana is a tournament team. Ghana is a massive tournament team, also. And believe me, South Korea might be flying, and Portugal shows sign of strength in one game, and then the other they go flat. But Mm. yeah, you can never rule out Ghana. Twenty ten tells you that. Mm, Yeah, you're right. I I I think that Morocco are a decent bet. 
um, to do pretty well. But it, yeah, it, it, they are. They need a little bit more in attack, I think, probably. But it's good that they've got Ziyech back. I think he can make make a massive difference for them. Okay, it's time to welcome today's guest. Nick Ames is the Arsenal correspondent for The Guardian and a veteran of several AFCONs as well. And it's a pleasure to welcome him to Made in Africa. Hi, Nick. How are you? How are you doing? It's nice to be on. Good to have you back, mate. Good to have you back. Now, it's been quite a start for Mikel Arteta's Arsenal side who find themselves top of the Premier League table after seven matches played. Tottenham, who are just one point behind, are the visitors to the Emirates on Saturday in a North London derby that's been greatly anticipated by both sets of fans. So, Nick, what do you think we can expect? It's, it's quite a game we've got in prospect. I mean, what a cracking game. And if, if you look back to, to January when Arsenal were quite desperate to get the derby off because of COVID and, and, other, and AFCON as well, actually, and other matters and, and managed to get it, called off i i think this time both teams are just absolutely desperate to play aren't they and it's it's a it's an absolute shootout at the top i suppose obviously just a a point behind arsenal arsenal leading away and i i think it's very hard to separate the two teams they've got very very different styles and approaches i would say both of them quite possession-based, but Spurs much still, although Antonio Conte tries to deny it a bit, reliant on the quick transitions and the counter-attacks and the explosive form of their front men. Arsenal may be a bit more progressive through the thirds, lots of slick passing, slick interplay, obviously been transformed as well on and off the ball by Gabriel Jesus, who's made them a lot more dynamic when, when, when they do get the ball forward up front. And I... I I just think that whichever way anyone looks at it, it's going to be an absolute belter. And I, and I think a very different game to the one at the Emirates, which was in Spurs' kind of dog days last season when Arsenal came out and scored three goals in the first half and obliterated them. I think this one will be a lot tighter, a lot tenser and very hard to see which way it goes. But yeah, I can't wait. And there's in, um, interest all over the pitch, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think uh, we should tell listeners now that uh, Rahman is actually sitting in Antonio Conte's chair after the Tottenham press conference uh, this afternoon. So, Rahman, you are a good person to ask about Tottenham. What, what do you think we can expect from them uh, going to the Emirates? You know, will a point be a good result or do you think they could win? Actually, I've just been looking at numbers and um, we put it to Antonio Conte earlier on that's I mean, Spurs don't have a really good record at the Emirates. I mean, the last time I think they won at the Emirates was back in 2013. Um, there's a couple of draws in there, but Arsenal always find a way to beat them at the Emirates. So he will have that at the back of his mind. But having said so, there's just one point that, that separates Tottenham from Arsenal. And this is the first time in history that... Tottenham can actually beat Arsenal and go top of the Premier League table. And this is also the first time in history that both teams are going into a North London derby with the chance that a win keeps one on top of the Premier League and another win will take one on top of the Premier League because it's an early mm. kickoff. And, and so there's a lot of stuff and a lot of people like the eye test. That means that Arsenal are really looking good with the way they play. And like Nick rightfully said, the addition of certain players like Alexander Zinchenko, who for me is an absolute hero without being exceptionally Hollywood, because this is a naturally 
he, he started playing football as a number 10. He plays as a number 10 for his country and he's quite good at it, but he's quite happy also to play as a left back. Mm. Not many players in the world are as malleable, are as workable, regardless of what they, their personal preference are. And he's been a really good. Saliba has been amazing also, not just defensively. He's got two goals. Now, this is somebody that wasn't quite ready for the Premier League and he's slotted in. And it's making one of the best or the one of the most expensive defenders in Ben White actually having to do with a place a right back. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all real. I'd say Nick, would you or how much credit do you think this that Mikel Arteta should take for for how Arsenal have turned it around? Because you know everybody remembers the start of last season, three defeats in a row, and then I think the last time you were on, it was just before um, Abamyang. You know, it was the he was about to get rid of him basically and it looked like it was going that way and, he, and then he did and you know it's kind of all paid off for him hasn't it really most decisions he's made seem to have worked yeah I mean people people sometimes make fun of the phrase trust the process don't they which we hear quite a lot involving Arsenal and other football clubs but but Arsenal's board and owners did trust the process Arteta was very true to his beliefs and we we spoke at quite great length all those months ago about for example, his very hardline treatment of Aubameyang, but it was it was because he could see what was coming down the track and how he wanted his team both to play and to behave. And it's 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 I mean, look, the ultimate payoff is in regular Champions League qualification and preferably trophies. But it is going the right way. It's a very very different Arsenal. I think if we if we compare, especially the way they press in in attack and the sharpness of players like. Jesus, who I mentioned, and Gabriel Martinelli, who is now probably one and a half times the player that he was last season, the way that they harry on and off the ball and interplay and are really aggressive as well as quite subtle and deft. It's a, it's a totally different ball game to, to what we saw a year or so ago. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I think Arteta too should be for, for improving the players he's got. Granit Xhaka has had quite a lot of plays so far this season and he's, you know, touching the ball less, maybe getting involved less in build-up. But when he is involved, he, he's setting goals up. He's he's creating them. He's kind of unleashed a side that we hadn't really seen of, of him before. And you could go throughout that team and look at players that Mikel Arteta has made better, often by, by being pretty patient with when others were not too sure. So, yeah, there's, there's a hundred different ways that we could look at it. And I think... Um, he deserves massive, massive credit. And I think Arsenal and Spurs as well could both... Look, I think a, a title bid is going to be a bit much for both of them eventually. And I, I think Erling Haaland will settle that question by the time we break for the World Cup. But I think both of those clubs now can look at that second place and think, well, that's up for grabs. Why not? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And... and... Roman, I was just going to get your thoughts on on um, on Yves Bissouma's start for Tottenham so far. He he, you know, he's been famously didn't didn't start a game for a while, and and you know there was talk that, that Conte didn't trust him very much. Do you think that he's going to start getting more game time? Perhaps might start against Arsenal. Yeah, no. Antonio also spoke about him in the press that he's now beginning to settle in, and and the quality of. Bisuma, it's it's never in doubt. The problem was that he had to understand the tactical setup of how Spurs want to play in a two-man midfield. When he just before the international break, he started showing that that quality he showed at Brighton, and 
and and that included coming in and 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 playing in a midfield three with Kulisevsky, Hoiberg, and himself in the three, which rarely Spurs don't do. But in that midfield, in fact, one of his tackles led to Son Son's goals. And so Antonio mentioned that he's coming up to speed and that it's never been about his quality, but like any other workplace, they all have a way they want to play. And it took him a while to get going. Having said so, he's had a really horrendous international break because he didn't play much in the internet. He would have wanted to get a lot of games just to keep him sharp going into the North London derby. But like I said, when, when he got signed, in two years, he's going to be one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. He's always wanted to be in a top team. And even though he's struggling at the minute to nail down a starting slot, obviously the challenge is higher, the quality of players is higher, the environment is new to him. But once he gets going, it will take him some stopping. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's the sort of game that he he would he probably relish, wouldn't it, isn't it, Nick? I think playing against Arsenal in the North London derby is his kind of game. And uh, it would have been, it could have been a big African midfield uh, clash between him and Thomas Partey, but it looks like he's probably not going to play. I don't know what the latest yeah. is. Yeah, I think um I think there's a persuasive argument for playing Bissouma in this game, isn't there? Because Arsenal, whoever ends up playing in midfield for Arsenal, are, are, are pretty dominant so far in, in that area. Very, very well stocked. And and I think I mean Conti ten, tends not to stray too far from the system he likes, um, which as we know is the three four three. But if he want if he wanted to go for a back four or if he wanted to play more of a 3-5-2, especially if Kulisevsky is injured, which is, is I think, the suggestion at the moment. You could easily see him starting Basuma and bolstering that midfield area with a few more bodies, a bit more energy, and an effort to sort of get a bit of a foothold in the game against an Arsenal team that one of Arsenal's strengths and Spurs found this out to their cost last season before Conte arrived, it is that they start very quickly. So maybe that extra body in midfield and that extra bit of trust now from Conte to Basuma, who I, I agree with, Rahman, is, is, a, is a player who I absolutely love. Um, it, it could be an occasion that is cut out for him just to get that bit of strength in midfield that I think Spurs are going to really need on Saturday. So, yeah, maybe this will be his moment, his his big arrival at Spurs, which is, is going to happen one day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's a very, very talented player. And and oh, just with, with Thomas not really around because he's injured, um, he's just for everybody know he's uh, supposedly gone or we're going to use a famous Serbian placenta healer called Mariana Kovacevic, try and help get him fit. She's worked with lots of uh, lots of football players in the past and they're, they're hopeful that that's going to make a difference for the World Cup. But aside from him, and obviously with Aubameyang having left and Pepe having gone as well, Arsenal's tradition of having, Af- you know, lots of African players, there's, there's not so many at the moment. It's just uh, something that I thought we should we should note. Yeah, the, the stocks are low at the moment of, of, of African interest at Arsenal. And look, these things happen in, in, in peaks and troughs, don't they? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly, fairly sure that in the next year or so, in the next couple of transfer windows, that will change. But we've definitely gone from a sort of contingent of, three four or five to to, to you know fair, fairly slim numbers but i wouldn't read too much into that i think no I, I'm, and i'm forgetting of course policy. i'm sorry i'm forgetting of course mohammed el nenny there don't want to any angry yeah mo, fans mo, getting um, yeah um, mo el nenny who who of course is has sadly got an injury 
himself um but you know has been quite an exceptional stalwart to arsenal and you know i really admire as somebody who 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 knows his role knows he's not going to be a nailed on starter every week knows he's basically a squad player who's going to come in and do a seven out of ten job when they need it and is happily signed on for that and i think i think a lot of arsenal fans the ones i speak to really respect that in Moro and any mm, absolutely well you need you definitely need players like that in your squad and, and Roman, let's turn to Bamiang then, who obviously has joined Chelsea uh, since we last did an episode. Um, and it <laughs> wasn't the greatest start for him in that, well, Thomas Tuchel got sacked a few days after he arrived and obviously played for him uh, at Dortmund. So do you think that Chelsea can, you know, re- well, maybe not rely on Bamiang, but do you think he could be the answer to, well, certainly a short term anyway, to help score some goals for them? Because that's what they're really lacking. Oh yeah, he's listen. Uba has scored goals everywhere he's been, everywhere he's been. If he's been provided with services, he knocks them away at Dortmund, at Arsenal, and that's why even the breaking marriage between Arsenal and Uba was such difficult. It was so difficult for Arsenal fans because he scored some really important goals. Key amongst them was the FA Cup run, the one they won. You remember his goal against Chelsea? That was remarkable, and mm. and. He's that kind of player. He went to Barcelona and again, he scored a lot of good goals for them also. And based on that track record, you've got to say that he will be a short-term, I mean, solution for Arsenal, if the, uh, for Chelsea, if the services come. Now he's playing, he came, it's quite interesting because he came to play under Thomas Tuchel. And Tuchel got fired just before he could re- literally walk through the door. And so... The, the the story is that Graham Potter has put in a phone call to him and explained to him that he still sees him as quite an important player, at least up until January, where they can bring in somebody. Because at the moment, there's really no striker that they can try. I mean, the guy from the, the Armando Borja is good, but Borja, yeah, yeah. he's not really as established as, as Aubameyang. And the gap that Lukaku left needs feeling. And even though Raheem Sterling can be played through the middle, He's, he's spoken of the need to be played in his favourite um, position that's out wide. So Uber will score goals with a lot of services. One thing is that he's growing old. And normally when footballers are growing old, they're not as sharp as they are both physically and mentally. And so that will be that concern. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that he's, he's, he's an Arsenal, I mean, maybe not legend, but an Arsenal great. It will be interesting to see how the fans entirely take to him and mm. he's he's been proven to be that kind of a player who who, who loves the affection and the connection with uh, clubs when they when Dortmund took to him he repaid them back even when Barcelona took to him he repaid them back. Yeah. Chelsea fans Can, take to him it's interesting isn't it or do you think he's got something that that is a motivating factor what happened at Arsenal maybe you know in the back of his mind could well be there could be some people that he wants to prove wrong. It's been it's been fairly dignified the relationship between um, between him and Arteta when Eva's been asked about them than the other one in press conferences and that kind of thing. But you can sort of tell there's there's something there, a bit of unfinished business maybe. There's never no one's ever been too effusive about the other. It's all been wishing each other well, that kind of thing. I actually think that um to the to the point about Chelsea, I I I think Although, as as Raman rightly says, he's he's getting on a bit and definitely not as quick off the mark as he used to be, as as we saw in his latter time at Arsenal. Um, he won't have worked for a manager like Graham Potter before, and if he if he's up for it, and if he buys in, and if he listens, and if and if he learns, 
Graham Potter is very good at unlocking things in players he works with on, on, on the mentor side as well. I've, I've never spoken to a player who's worked for Graham Potter, whether it's at Östersund in the lower divisions of Sweden or whether it's at Brighton, who has not learned something and come away a better player. So I think if Ober's plugged in and if he's up to it, Potter might still be able to unlock parts of him that, that we haven't seen before and help him really thrive over the next year or so. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I think I'm looking forward to seeing that if, how those two could work together. I mean, it's uh, quite an unusual combination. But Nick, listen, we better go because uh, we're running out of time. Thank you so much for coming on and enjoy the game and may the best team win. Always a pleasure. Speak to you guys soon.